KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In-Depth. I'm Matt Leon. We talked in an earlier episode of KYW In-Depth about the effect this pandemic is having on American agriculture overall, kind of a 30,000-foot view. We wanted to learn a little bit more, though, go a little deeper, so we actually got in touch with some farmers. We talked about the challenges they are facing every day, what they are doing to adjust, and what concerns they have going forward. We talked with three farmers who deal with different commodities, and we want to extend a special thank you to John Urbanchuk at Delaware Valley. University and Leah Migdale with the Pennsylvania Farm Bureau for helping get us in touch with these farmers. Up first, we catch up with Paul Hartman of Scattered Acres Incorporated, a dairy farm up in Berks County. First question, Paul, just kind of tell me about your farm, uh, how big it is, how long have you worked there, how long has the farm been around? Give us uh, an idea of what your farm is all about. Well, Scattered Acres Incorporated is a family farm. I work with my brothers, Ed and David, my brother Ed's wife, Diane, and some of their children. They both have children involved in the farm. So it's a family operation. We have about 30 employees. We milk about 1,100 cows at two different locations. One dairy that I manage is about 400 cows near Reading, and the other dairy is right on the edge of Lancaster County. There's about 700, 800 cows over there. So that's what we're we're managing. When times are quote-unquote normal, what is demand for your milk and, and who are your main customers? Are you going to stores? Are you going with restaurants? Is it a mix? Our milk at the two different dairies, they ship to two different processors. The one is Clover Farms right here in Reading and the other is in Lebanon County. It's owned by Dean Foods. It has the Swiss premium label, but all that milk goes for class one use, which is bottled milk. So that's our, our market. Our market is bottled milk. Do you have figures on average a year, how many bottles you move? That I'd have to calculate. We, between the two farms, we sell about 85,000 pounds a day, uh, a day. Yeah, that would be right. 85,000 pounds a day. So I think there's 8.6 pounds per gallon. So we'd have to do a little math there to figure out, you know, how many gallons we sell every day from our, from scattered acres. Since this all started, let's say a month, five weeks ago, how has demand changed? Well, at first when it started, you know, we listened to the news like everybody else and it seemed like demand was really strong for fluid milk because people were staying home and there might have been some fear purchasing going on. So the shelves were empty. You know, the grocery stores were having a hard time keeping milk on the shelves. And so that that went maybe two weeks. And, and the, the rumor at our Clover Farms dairy uh, here in Reading was that they were, they were actually bringing in a lot of extra milk that they were purchasing because the demand was so strong. Um, but then all of a sudden, uh, March 31st, we got a, a letter that was left on a desk in our office that said they weren't going to pick, pick up our milk for two days. 
And that was kind of a shock because we thought, you know, things were really strong for demand. But they said all of a sudden the orders had stopped and things just got backed up. You know, the whole supply chain got messed up. They, uh, the grocery stores weren't ordering anymore and the milk just backed up in the system. And so we had to dump our milk for two days. Now, since April 1st, everything has been normal. They've been picking up our milk, and we haven't had any disruption at our farm. But I hear about other farms uh, in the country and in the state that are dumping a lot of milk. We think 10% of the milk is probably not being uh, consumed right now because there's no market for it. And when you say dump the milk, you mean that literally. You just have to discard it, correct? Yeah, we milk the cows like normal, and then we measure how much milk we made, and then we just open the valve and run it into our manure storage system, and uh, it's just wasted. And we're hoping to get paid for that milk. Uh, I'm I'm pretty confident that that's going to happen with uh, – the federal order system here in the United States, they kind of pool all the milk and then we get paid kind of an average, uh, all the farmers. So I think they'll just add that dumped milk into the equation when we get our pay price. But that's our big concern right now is the uncertainty in our market and in our price. Even though our milk is being sold here at Scattered Acres, we don't know what we're going to get paid. And that is a real hard hard to run a business when you don't know what the value is of your product. There's just too much uncertainty right now in the in the market. But we are assuming it's going to be a very low price, well below break-even. So we're trying to prepare for that by reducing costs as rapidly as possible. And how do you do that on a farm? Well, we're trying to feed our cows with some less expensive ingredients. Uh, there's a lot of different minerals and micronutrients we put in the diet for the cows. We're maybe cutting back on some of those or maybe trying different products that might be a little cheaper. Um, those are the some of the things. We we breed our cows with artificial insemination, so we're starting to, to purchase bulls that are, you know, it's frozen semen, the bulls, and we're trying to purchase uh, straws of frozen semen that are cheaper, not so expensive. So just steps like that. You know, we're looking at every single vendor that we work with and trying to see, you know, where where can we shave off some expense? You know, we're just pulling out all the stops here to try to stay viable because this is, you know, like I said, it's just uncertainty. We have no idea how long is this depressed market going to take place and uh, when it does start to recover how long is it going to take to recover because dairy industry in the last four years and the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020 uh, looked very promising where we were having above break-even prices but before that we were below break-even prices and a lot of farmers were struggling to uh, to remain viable we had about 470 dairy farms in Pennsylvania last year went out of business, and that was before the pandemic. <laughs> so, so now we start all over again, and the prices now might even be worse than they were back then. So this is really uh, challenging times for sure. How long can you deal with the uncertainty before it becomes catastrophic? Well, 
That's a good question. Uh, we, you know, we have a line of credit at the bank that we're going to lean on. Uh, we have that in place. We always, we use that, you know, the last four years, we, you know, like most businesses, you have a, a line of credit with your bank and you lean on that. Um, so that's the first step. And, uh, you know, once that gets filled up, that's when you really start to get nervous. And, uh, you know, right now our line of credit is paid off. We're, we're, we're well prepared for some amount of time, but, uh, you know, we have a good relationship with our bank, but then, you know, a lot of farmers, they end up starting to lean on their vendors. You know, they, the line of credit gets filled up and then you stop paying your bills. So you're leaning on your vendors for credit that they don't really want to carry. And typically we try not to do that, but that's where it ends up. And then, you know, the whole, the whole, uh, infrastructure becomes very dangerously unstable. So I think um, three months is not bad. Six months is going to be difficult. A year would be catastrophic. And how are you and your family and your employees doing Like and dealing? I mean, we're all in different stages of kind of the same boat with the uncertainty, but how is everybody handling it kind of on a human level? Yeah, I understand that. You know, when I, I've done some interviews like this with different groups and, and when I'm talking, I'm always talking about farming, but I realize this isn't just agriculture that's affected. I, I was just listening to your news station and it's talking about the travel industry and, you know, this is widespread and, so, you know, you, you kind of have that in the back of your mind that you're not alone in this in this crisis. But at the same time, you know, we're all just a little stressed out, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what can we do as a business to remain viable? Um, how do we protect our employees? How do we protect ourselves? Um, just for instance, yesterday we had our first employee that we sent home because he said he thinks his wife has COVID-19. Now I said, you know, she ought to try to get tested and find out if she actually has it. And if she doesn't, then he could come back to work. But I said, as long as we're not sure what her illness is, I really don't want him at work with the potential of infecting the rest of our workforce. Cause that's a real concern for us. Just knowing how this spreads so rapidly, we cannot take that chance. Uh, you know, we need employees to help us milk all these cows. We have, we have about 1,100 cows that we take care of, not to mention another 1,100 young, young animals that are future dairy cows that we're caring for. So if this would run through our family and our, and our employees, I'm not sure how we'd uh, get all this work done, not to mention that this time of the year is a very busy time of the year for for farmers they're trying to plant their crops for the growing season so there's just you know you have that whole level of stress on top of worrying about you know trying to be careful where do you travel who do you who are you around and and just uh we're doing a lot of extra cleaning uh to try to you know just in case there would be something around so it's kind of like everybody else but you know we're working every day and uh and just trying to cross our fingers and pray that we do not uh, get this disease in our in our operation here. 
Next up, we talk with an alum of Delaware Valley University, Kyle Whitmoyer of Whitmoyer Cattle, which is located up in Northumberland County, Pennsylvania. All right, well, first question, Kyle, kind of tell me a little bit about uh, the, the farm and what it's all about. Uh, so we are a beef and crop farm um, in central Pennsylvania, about two hours, two and a half hours from Philly. Uh, prominently, we have cows and calves, and we also are in transition to organic production of corn, soybeans, and small grains. So uh, with cow, calf, and beef, uh, what is that all about? I mean, are you selling you know, for meat uh, purposes, what, uh, what is the focus? Uh, our focus were the, from birth to about midway in their, their life cycle. So we take them from, we calve the cows and go to about a 500 pound, what we call a feeder calf. And then at that point we ship them off to, uh, the next person that then it takes them to market weight. So how was business going before all this happened? What was, uh, give us some context for uh, how things work. Well, before uh, COVID-19 entered the United States, uh, our feeder cattle prices were actually on the rebound. Um, corn prices were down, which encourages people to start feeding cattle as a way to recoup or to different way of using the corn. And after COVID entered the United States, we had a fall out of the market, just like everything else did. Um, locally, we didn't see that quite as bad as uh, they did nationally. Um, we were uh, lucky enough that there's still a pretty strong uh, market around here for feeder cattle. So it hasn't hit as hard as nationally. Have there been disruptions, though? Have there been things that have yeah, changed there, in the last month? Tell us about that. Yeah, there's been supply chain interruptions. Uh, the JVS processing plant in Sodderton, uh, when they shut that down, it was a, that's five weeks ago. I believe they came back online this week, though, to start processing a limited number of animals. Uh, one processing plant shuttered the market 15 cents in a week and then the next week did the same thing so we we dropped 30 cents off of uh, already lower prices in two weeks time just because of one packing plant and that pretty much then spread across jvs Sonderton was the first plant in the united states to shut down because of covid19 and then it's just rippled across the country as uh, as the disease has spread, virus has spread. So past prices, has this led to changes in day-to-day -day activity? Have you had to switch focus and or, or focus on different things, anything like that? Well, for us, we just held on to our animals. So we're putting now putting more money into, our, into them, feeding them and housing them and everything is probably the, the most difficult thing um, that's, so we had plans on marketing animals, and as the price fell out, everybody has um, kind of held their animals at home. But there still has to go. I mean, people still have to eat, so there's still the 
the, the livestock markets are still open. I mean, they're still processing some animals, just not the number that would be a normal week in April. What are the biggest concerns kind of longer term here? Because I've spoken to other people who just keep saying it's very difficult to operate in uncertainty in these markets. Do you have the same concerns? Uh, I do. Uh, I'm very uh, looking from the outside. We do not have poultry barns, but locally, um, some of the larger poultry houses, they're starting to actually euthanize the animals in the barns because there's no place to go with them. Um, cattle are a little more, you can hang on to them a little longer. They don't gain, their rate isn't so fast. But on like a, the chicken, a poultry and swine industries, they cannot wait. When they're, when it's the time on the calendar says that their time to go, it's time they have to, to go to market. And that's becoming, the, the supply chain has become broken because there's no place to go with these animals. So that's going to be a very tough start to be a tough thing to recover from down the road here is because as they're doing these to these barns, then it just keeps backing everything up. Um, I know at one place they were going to destroy 80,000 laying heads. With, but at our grocery stores, we are limiting to how much they can take. So there's definitely a, a break in the chain. From your standpoint, how long can you go in this situation until you would have to start making some difficult, difficult decisions? Um, well, we farm, so we make difficult decisions every day. Uh, we don't have an option. We, the bank's still calling, or the bank still wants their money every month. Uh, everybody else still wants their money every when you go get your stuff. So there's not a whole lot we can do. We have to go put the crop in the ground this spring. We have to take our animals to market at some point. Um, there's there's some assistance coming from the government um, through USDA, but that's not going to reach everybody, and it's definitely not going to. I mean, it's going to stimulate the farm economy, but it's not going to do what if we could just get prices and and the supply chain back to where it belongs. So I, I, to answer, I guess to answer your question is we can't stop much. We just have to keep going um, and hope that things get better. Now time for our final conversation. Josh Aldifer of Aldifer Poultry Farm, an egg producer and processor in Montgomery County, PA. So first off, just to kind of tell us a little bit about uh, your farm and your operation and uh, what you guys do. Our farm and operation, we are a family farm. My brother and I are the second generation in our uh, current, I'll say, business setup, how we have it set up right now. Back in 1998, we decided to go down a different route uh, between what my brother and I felt called to do and my, my parents. We felt it was uh, important for us to go into a route of uh, more of a specialty eggs we, that are considered now, which is organic and cage-free. We felt that that was more something that we, as um, a family, linked more towards, or or maybe you want to say just felt it was a more more how we would would want our standards to be met. Um, so we primarily do specialty eggs, uh, which can be a little bit difficult in times like this where 
you know, oftentimes a lot of the general public are out of work or they are struggling. And so our product may not look as enticing, but we try to serve the community as best we can. So in normal times, uh, how many mm-hmm. eggs are you guys moving through, uh, and what is your market? Are you shipped everywhere? Are you shipped in the, the general area? Give us an idea of that. Our general markets, where we ship a lot of our eggs, is going to be in New York City, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, throughout all throughout New Jersey. That's where a majority of our eggs go. So you can pretty much say that it goes to a lot of local markets compared to where our farms are all located at. Uh, we do ship and sell eggs in all the way down into Florida and then all the way up in towards Maine as well. And then out towards like Tennessee and, and areas like that, just through distributors and whatnot. On average, we probably sell somewhere between 50 to 75 pallets a day is, is about a standard, what we've been kind of maintaining here the last couple of years or the last year and a half, I should say. So the last month or so since the world's been turned sideways, how has that affected demand and day-to-day operations? Yeah, it has changed quite a bit. I would say probably about 30% of our sales prior to the coronavirus was going to restaurants. And then about 70%, 60 to 70% was going to uh, supermarkets. That now has changed altogether. It's now primarily 100% is going into retail, whether it's at supermarkets or nutritional stores or um, farmer's markets, that kind of stuff. The restaurant sales obviously has gone away completely. You had 30% goes to the restaurants in normal times, and now it's basically all retail. How difficult a transition is that to kind of switch that output on the fly, or are your is the supply chain, for lack of a better term, similar to both, that it doesn't really put a lot of strain on what you do? It does put a strain on, on what we do. I would like to say it it's an easy transition because as far as machines-wise goes and logistics everything goes fairly the same um but it's when you when you all of a sudden transition 30 percent of your sales into retail what comes down what becomes a problem then is your actual packaging so like the individual customer would get packages that are either six eggs in a package or up to 18 or 24 eggs in a package and to all of a sudden bring that kind of stuff in the higher volume into our into our facilities that, that's what brings it a challenge. And um, so our suppliers that we get a lot of our cartons from that we pack the eggs into, uh, they're, they're having a difficult time keeping up, not just with us, but others that are in the same industry that we are in. How much, if any, financial strain has the last month put on things, or are you guys doing relatively okay? Financial strain, it's, you know, you're always going to have some difficulties with this just simply because the un. The uncertainties if if your employees are going to be affected at all negatively by this, and then that can also just bring it, you know, a turn on on yourself, um, or you know, you know, financially you're you're kind of at the mercy of your suppliers as well. So if our suppliers that we buy our cartons from or our cases from, if they all of a sudden can't come through, then I can't provide uh, the the end product to my customers, and then things can be impacted negatively that way. Uh, so it's there's uh, there's challenges in, in that aspect of things. Beside the packaging, are there other problems you've run into over the last five, six weeks that are kind of unique to this world situation we're living in right now? Probably one of the things that would be another area that we noticed some difficulties in is just trying to get uh, trucking uh, to be able to either transport the product into us or uh, trans- or transport the product out from here. 
that's nothing that our drive that the drivers can do. Uh, sometimes it's just being held up at docks or being not able to get get out of their home states where they're trying to get out of as quickly as what they need to get out. And of course, you know, you're going to run into truck trouble. So if a truck breaks down, it's going to take instead of maybe a day to get repaired, it may take two or three days to get repaired just because um, there's other scenarios that are that are that caused the slow process in this whole situation. Are there things that maybe aren't an issue now, but if this drags on another month or two that you are concerned could become issues? Probably a thing that I would be concerned about the most is is our is our packaging end. We are noticing more and more delays in getting packaging in here because with agriculture, you can't really have the, whether it's chickens or, or if you're de- dealing with any kind of livestock, uh, cows and whatnot, if you can't just tell them to stop producing eggs, you know, they, they're going to lay an egg every day and you have to find a home for it. And so if your package of material is not, is not coming in, uh, you know, you're gonna have to find a better home for these eggs to, to sell them out. But uh, that's probably the biggest thing that I'm probably most concerned about everything else, you know, as far as sanitation and, um, employee well-being, that has all been going very smooth. Uh, people are, or we're, you know, we're working together very well on that. Going back to the the restaurant retail, um, are you overall seeing about the same demand? It's just shifted all in the one direction, or is demand down? I would say we're seeing overall about the same demand. It might be a little bit higher, uh, only because the average family is home a lot more, and so you know you you use eggs and quite a bit of breakfast dishes and also um in other areas of of throughout the day and so they that's starting to become a little bit higher than what it would be if just for restaurants um your average family may have four if it's an average of four if it's a four a family of four they may have you know four to six eggs in a morning and if they're doing eggs three mornings a week you know that can that goes a lot higher that that will that number will increase substantially that rather than a restaurant and final question, are you learning anything about your operation through this that uh, maybe are you a little more nimbler than you thought? Have you learned to troubleshoot on the fly a little more than you thought? Has, it, has this taught you anything? It has taught us things. Um, you know, obviously, whenever you're in a situation like this where things can be a little bit more stressful or things are going moving a little bit faster than what they normally do, um, you learn to see where your weak spots are and what it's teaching us is to become a little bit more organized, whether it's through communication between our managers or if it's uh, just on how we set up our, our days to get things done efficiently and ready for the customer. Um, those are the things that have been a learning experience for us that have been something that we have, we've appreciated to a, to a certain degree because it makes you into a better uh, cup, a better company. And you get to really find out what your employees value of what they're doing versus, uh, you know, you're just going through your everyday normal business. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you want to know how what you see or hear on the news is going to change your own life or your own routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. 
Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.